This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Welcome back. Afternoons on News Talk 770. Rob Breckenridge with you. Angela Cocott will be in coming up after 3 o'clock with Calgary Today. Uh, some interesting news concerning uh, a story that uh, I think has perplexed and fascinated people for a very long time. Uh, as our next guest describes on his blog, in 1845, Sir John Franklin departed England in search of the fabled Northwest Passage in command of HMS Terror and HMS Erebus. Franklin and all 129 under his command were never seen again. While relics, debris, and bones have been found, the ships have eluded us, as is the full story of the Franklin expedition. We may never know the full story, but we're learning more. And more to the point, we're finding more. A couple of years ago, HMS Erebus was uh, finally found and identified. Now, the story this week, and I believe it was The Guardian in the UK that broke the story, that it appears as though HMS Terror has been found. And not only has it been found at the bottom, bottom of the Arctic, it's apparently in, as described here, pristine condition. Isn't that something? Well, uh, Ted Betts uh, joins us uh, on the line. He's an amateur historian uh, with a keen eye on uh, this whole matter. He's, he's a lawyer by day, but you can read his thoughts at uh, his blog, Franklin's Ghost. Uh, Ted, great to have you with us. Good to talk to you again. Great to be on the line again. All right. Well, and, you know, there's the question we talked about a couple of years ago. We talked about HMS Erebus and how significant it was that it had been found, but still HMS Terror eluded us. Absolutely. And, uh, again, it's, it's Christmas Day in the middle of at the end of summer. <laughs> Uh, for us Franklin Franklin Franklinophiles, um, this is this is pretty amazing. It's still breaking. We're we're still trying to collect a lot of the information. All of us online here, um, not doing a lot of work today. That's for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so why then did it take uh, a couple of years? One might think that if we found HMS Erebus, that we should find terror in in short order. But it's not that simple, I guess. Uh, no, and in fact, the finding of it and location has some interesting uh, clues to what might have happened um, and what certainly didn't happen. Um, the first of all, you got to have to remember and look at a map. Uh, the Arctic is enormous, and mm-hmm. the the land that we see on our maps has so many in inlets and bays and outlets and, and storms and ice flows that can carry ships all over the place. There's there's a massive massive territory to search, and it's it's difficult search conditions. Uh, You've got uh, summer storms that come up on a moment's notice that can delay or stop uh, searches altogether. And so over, you know, the the 150-odd plus years of searching for the the Franklin ships, um, it's only using the most modern technology of sonar readings on the ground and uh, in the water that that we were able to find the ship, uh, the Erebus, uh, two years ago. We, (laughs) the, the crews, were able to find the uh, the ships two years ago, um, and using some of the same technology, but going um, back to some of the places that have been searched before, looks like they found the terror uh, earlier this week or earlier this month. Well, and, and right under our noses, as it were, uh, there's a, a little part called Terror Bay right on, on King William Island. That's pretty much where historians thought it was. Right, visible, almost visible from the beach, they say. Um, 
uh, yeah, right, ironically, <laughs> in Terror Bay, in a place that some have searched before. It's not clear why, because now the reports are, and people who have seen pictures seem to say it's, you know, it, it's a crystal clear view of it. Um, it is down below the water surface, and uh, but in, as you said, in crystal clear, uh, sorry, in pristine condition, and it's uh, it's really got everybody excited. Not just when when they say pristine condition, it sounds like there's even glass in the in the window in some of the window panes. There's there's uh, wine bottles on sh- on shelves and that kind of thing. So there uh, <laughs> there's another aspect to this, which will be the the search inside, and that's what has everybody really excited about the pristine condition of it. You know, the the, the golden um, grail being the you know actual documents that they might find and and some recorded history uh, from the the time um, about what actually happened because this this actually deepens the mystery if uh, more so than than solving it well explain that well, we had a sense, uh, history, uh, that is, of, of what might have happened. And there was certain uh, evidence that's been found, uh, documents, arch- artifacts that have been found scattered throughout the Arctic around Kings William Island and other islands around there. And so a story had evolved about what must have been as presumed to have happened. But but they never quite fit with some data that was there, like a, a, a boat that had uh, been found uh, turned back towards um, the original location where they, they had landed um, instead of away from there. Um, and so we're getting a picture that's a bit different than, than we inherited in history, and that is that it, it does appear that the ships were actually not just abandoned, but were maybe landed or abandoned and remanned and even sailed. And that's one reason why the two ships are possibly at very different locations, um, one close to where there were encampments and one very far from where there were original encampments. And so it's, uh, it's, it's fitting a story that has been told by Inuit oral history. Um, and so that's also interesting part of this is we've gotten uh, some, some evidence that supports some of the, the stories that have been handed down uh, among Inuit uh, families and, and uh, culture and communities about the ships, about the white man who came and sank and died. Yeah, which and, and, and I was going to ask you about them because both then in terms of, of zeroing in where, where the wreck of uh, Erebus was found, uh, now with this as well, that it, it basically, I, I think in, in a lot of respects, vindicates those those Inuit legends that have been around for so many years. It does seem to. Um, we obviously have to get into a lot more of the detail, and, and there is some vagueness in those stories as well, because they don't use the same words to describe what we now identify by name, um, uh, Western English names uh, for islands. Um, but it certainly is consistent with a lot of the storytelling that's been inherited. Now, part of what we know I, uh, about this mission, right, there was the uh, the note from from 1848 that talked about um, the, the the losses sustained by the expedition, the, the situation yep. it was in, that's helped tell part of the story. Is it the hope that maybe on HMS Terror, we might find somehow preserved some kind of correspondence? 
Uh, absolutely. A written and record. Is, uh, yeah. Some sort of written record with a date. Um, you know, even a log. The log would be, of course, uh, what everybody wants to find. But even some some draft notes or anything, anything at all would be uh, monumental. Um, and there's uh, there's other examples, even in the Arctic, where uh, paper um, in the conditions of the the cold water and cold salt water of the north um, has been in quite astounding condition um, preserved over over centuries and so there is hope that if there is paper and records in the in the ship that they will be in good condition and good enough to to present and read and, and learn from and is it your expectation that this this information will all be shared I understand this is the Arctic Research Foundation that is is doing this this expedition there's some money from Jim Balsillie uh, founder of Blackberry and research in motion who's who's behind this but they're very much in it for the public interest then hey, and I think that's what drives most of the people frankly I mean this is such a, an old story and and um, it's such an amazing mystery that the passion of the people who are searching is what drives the the, the finding, and so one would hope that that same passion uh, for the story, for the mystery, for the for the Arctic, frankly, um, is going to lead us to uh, to openness on on disclosing everything that they find, as they have been so far with the, the fi- with the finds with the Erebus and and the plans to set up an Arctic. Uh, Franklin Museum, um, and and uh, so I, I have no doubt that we're going to see uh, a lot of this, and hopefully, you know, there's there's some sort of expedition that can go across the country. Uh, I understand they found one of the things that may have been found is the bell, so we've got the pres- preserved bell from both ships, and that's pretty astounding to me. It is, and I, I guess it, it takes on added significance just given the renewed interest in the Northwest Passage and the changing conditions up there that, that make it more feasible to sail through there. It, it sort of adds to the, the history and, and, you know, the mystery around it. Well, and it brings it makes it relevant to today because it it was a it's a very sensitive geographical uh, region of the of the world. Um, it doesn't have a lot of certainly very very little commerce going through there. There's certainly concerns of uh, Arctic tourism um, expanding too quickly, um, and and this will certainly um, be a part of that. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, tours that now go through um, uh, the the uh, the Northwest Passage. Um, a lot of it is is well intentioned, but the more of that, if we're not ready for it, not prepared, you know, it can do great damage to the local environment. And we do have to be very aware and very careful about that. Um, at the same time, um, there's opportunities for some very uh, for some communities that are very in difficult straits. Um, that that maybe some hope that maybe um, you know some some economic uh, benefit will come to some very hard done by regions and communities. Yeah, let's hope so. Well, exciting news yeah. uh, today, and we'll uh, await further word. Ted, thanks for joining us here today. Appreciate the conversation. Happy to be called on. All right, take care, Ted Batts, as an amateur historian, uh, Toronto lawyer by day. Uh, his own blog, Franklin's Ghost, where he uh, writes about these matters. So, I mean, it seems incredibly exciting what they found. Just reading from the Guardian piece here, it says, The wreck is in such good condition. The glass planes are still there, as Ted mentioned, in three of four tall windows in the Stern's cabin, where the ship's commander uh, slept and worked. The vessel looks like it was buttoned down tight for the winter, and it sank. Everything was shut. Even the windows are still intact. If you could lift this boat out of the water and pump out the water, it would probably float. 
And it's crazy. And there's a quote here from Jim Balsillet. says, this discovery changes history. Given the location of the find and the state of the wreck, it's almost certain that HMS Terror was operationally closed down by the remaining crew, who then reboarded HMS Erebus and sailed south where they met their ultimate tragic fate. So this is a big discovery. And recall, I mean, it was Prime Minister Stephen Harper who made this such a priority. And Parks Canada has been involved in, in looking for this wreckage, wreckage since 2008. And you've got these other organizations involved as well. So, potentially exciting discovery today, and I guess we'll learn more in the coming days and weeks. A quick break here. Uh, we're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.